Good morning. How are y'all today? Yay! I'm so glad to hear that. Well, the bumper video that you just saw, excuse me, is for the upcoming series, which begins next week, on the life of David. Uh, David was in the Old Testament. He was a king, um, and God chose him at a very young age and used him throughout the Old Testament and used his kingdom and his leadership. The Old Testament describes David as a man after God's own heart. And so we're super excited to uh, dive into the life of David as uh, Pastor Carl. Carlo teaches us that series, and so we hope that you will join us for that. I want to extend my welcome to you today. If this is your first time here in the room with us, we are so honored that you have chosen to spend the time here today. If you are online, on Facebook Live, church online, video theater, however, wherever you may be joining us, we just want you to know that you are our honored guest, and we are so grateful for your time and your presence here today. Uh, For those of you who are here in the room with me, once again, I just want to tell you all how much I love you, how very special you are to me and to, and to Chris and to our family. Um, there's no place I'd rather be than here with you this morning, and uh, so I'm just thrilled that we get the opportunity to put a bow on our Enough series today. Um, so I just would love to hear from you before we get started. I've, I've gotten some emails and texts and calls and people who have stopped me that have said, uh, the attack is strong. Anybody else want to say yes, since we've been talking about this series, it's like our great enemy has tried to rear his ugly head and spread some lies and do some of his stealing, killing, and destroying. And so I want you to know that you're not alone because even this morning as I stand here to teach, I got to tell you, the lies are swirling. The enemy is saying to me, you know, this, this message not, might, might not be as good as the first two. This one might not have the power those had. You don't have any illustrations today, no funny pictures, no props. Well, so what? We have the truth of the Word of God, correct? And we are diving in today. So I want to tell y'all, if you thought I was intense on week one, you ain't seen nothing yet. We are digging deep today. And so uh, I just want to encourage you to hang on tight because we got a lot to cover. But it is one of the things that we've talked about throughout this series that in order to fight the lies, we must know the truth. And today we are going to learn some truth and hear that truth and press it down deep into our hearts and into our minds so that we know for sure that we are fighting against our enemy. In week number one, in case you weren't with us, we took the opportunity to define the word enough. And for our purposes, the definition that we are using talks about the word enough that uses qualifying words of quality and expectation. And basically saying that that word enough expects us to meet a certain standard, meet a certain quality, a certain expectation. And how so often in our lives that can become tricky because we have identified that there is a source in our life that wants to lie to us, that wants to twist that truth. And we have named the source, and that source is the enemy, the thief, the liar, the father of lies, and the prowling lion. And so we've identified there's a lie, and we've identified the source of it, and we have also uncovered that he is never satisfied with just what? 
one thing. He's always out to get more, constantly on the prowl. And we have uncovered that when we trade our truth for the lie of not enough, that we develop some coping strategies in order to deal with the living with the lie. And the first one of those is striving. The second is numbing out. And the third one is comparison. And so we're just going to remind ourselves of the definition of each of those this morning. The first one is when we strive, we work hard to achieve an end goal. It tells us that if we can just achieve more, do more, work harder, have enough, then we will be enough. And so in our striving, we tend to just pretty much work ourselves to death. And we just find that we're exhausted and all we do is work, 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 work. So that is our striving. Number two is numbing out. And that's when we choose to just shut down from the reality of life. We just want to escape what our present circumstances are so that we do not have to face reality and deal with our not enough. Numbing out may look like, we talked about this, it may look like a, a, a pepperoni pizza and a pan of fudge brownies. Numbing out may look like spending time on social media, endless amounts of time just surfing the web. Numbing out may look like a maxed out credit card or the bottom of a bottle of pills. Whatever it looks like, numbing out is not a comfort. Numbing out is an escape. And it never takes us to the place that we want to go. And finally, the third way that we deal with the lies in our lives, our coping strategy, is comparison. And this is when we're looking at everyone and everything around us, trying to see how we measure up. And comparison asks, am I beating the goal? Am I beating the expectation to prove that I am enough? And comparison is so busy looking to the left and to the right that we don't have our our eyes set straight ahead on what God calls us to because we just can't keep our eyes off of everyone and everything else. So that's kind of where we've been in this series. We've identified the lie and the source of the lies. We've looked at our strategies. And so the first step that we talked about in this series is recognizing the lie. Recognizing that our great enemy shows up with an agenda, as we see in John 10.10. And he says, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. But then God reminds us of his greater purpose. And he says, but I have come to give them, what is it? A rich, tell let me hear you, satisfying. One more time, a rich, satisfying. Yeah, that's right. A rich and satisfying life. So we've recognized the lie in step one. Step two, last week we talked about rejecting that lie, how we've got to be active, how we've got to know for sure what God says to us so we can be active in rejecting those lies. And today we're going to talk about step three, and that is replacing the lie with the truth. And this is the part where we get busy. Because this is the part where if we're going to reject the lie, we don't only reject just that what we hear in our head, but we also reject the enemy that brings the lie. And I can promise you that when he notices that we've got some truth in our lives and we're ready to start rejecting, he don't like it. That's not his thing. Because when he shows up, he brings his agenda. And when we meet him in that moment with the truth of God's word, the battle is on. So let's go back to Ephesians chapter 6, where we started last week, or what we dug into last week, and let's remind ourselves of where we are. So Ephesians chapter 6, finally, let the mighty strength of the Lord make you strong. 
Put on all the armor God gives so you can defend yourself against the devil's tricks. We are not fighting against humans. We are fighting against forces and authorities and against rulers of darkness and powers of the spiritual world. So put on all the armor that God gives. Then, when the evil day comes, you will be able to defend yourself. And when the battle is over, you will be standing firm. So as we look at the beginning of this passage, as we look at verse 10, we see that the battle is raging. And our great enemy, the source of the lies in our life, has, has found each one of us in our relationship with Christ. And he has made us the target. Oh, you want to believe the truth? Let me place some doubt in your life. You want to cling to Jesus? Let me create some, some questions over here to see if you're really standing firm in the hope that you've been giving, given. And I, I just want to say this this morning. We cannot stand still and hope that he will just go away and bother someone else. No, it doesn't work like that. As long as we're standing still, we are making ourselves available. And hope is not a plan. Crossing your fingers and squeezing your eyes closed tight and just wishing, oh, go away, oh, go away, oh, go away. That doesn't do it. Maybe some of you in here have tried that and you know that to be true. But what we do know is that we have God's word and that his word presents us with the battle plan. And not only that, he equips us with the uniform to wear and the weapons we need in order to be standing firm when the battle is over. We see in verse 10, if we can put that back up on the screen, that we are not powerless in this battle. We have the mighty strength of the Lord with us. We are not alone. We are assured of him being right beside us. If his strength is with us, then he is beside us. And then we're told, put on all the armor that God gives you. Because in verse 12, look carefully here, we are not fighting against regular folks like us. Oh, no. This battle is full of much more cunning. Notice that we're fighting against forces and authorities and rulers of darkness and powers in the spiritual world. Now, I said this in week one. I want to say it again. I don't want to give any more credit than credit is due to the darkness. Darkness loves to be talked about. So we've, but we cannot be unaware and we have to know what we're fighting against. So I want, you to, I want you to recognize this is what we're fighting against. But today we're talking about the strength of the Lord. We're talking about the mighty power of God that he gives us as we engage in this battle. When these enemies show up, they show up to wreak havoc. They want to wreak havoc in your life, in your plans, in your thoughts, in your dreams, in your hopes. They want to wreak havoc in the life of your family and in your friends. We cannot be unaware we cannot fool ourselves into thinking, oh, I've got Jesus, I'm just fine. These forces are not like us, and we cannot fight the battle on our own. How many of you have tried that and found out that doesn't work? I can't just will it away. I can't just think it away. I, I can't do it on my own. But we do have great supernatural power, the power of our God and his power within us, his Holy Spirit within us. And without that, I can tell you, we don't stand a chance. So if you're wondering where your power is, it is in the power of the mighty strength of your God. I want to take just a moment here and share with you an email that came in about nine o'clock last night from a lady who has been listening to the series. And you guys, as I read her words, it just broke my heart. She just shared of the struggle of enough. 
that she has been facing. And I want to say to my sweet sister now, if you are in this room today, if you are watching online, if you are anywhere in this theater, thank you so much for sharing your heart and for being vulnerable. Thank you for speaking the truth of where you are and not allowing the enemy to continue to fill your mind and your heart with questions and doubts and lies. She just shared that she's been struggling with feeling enough at work, in her friendships, with her family, her children, ex-husband, it's just finances, anything and everything that could seem to not go well, everything that could go wrong has gone wrong. And she found herself in a place where she just fell apart, just came to the end of herself. And in that moment, God met her there in his faithfulness through the voice of someone dear in her life that said, you are enough to me. You are enough to me. And she said, I just want to share for anyone who is in that place, don't give up the fight. Be honest and be real about where you are because God will meet you there. And I want to assure you of that today. That is the God that we have. We are not alone. We stand in his great power. We are fighting against against some dark forces, but we have a savior and we have armor and we have weapons. In verse 13, once again, we are told that we are to put on the full armor of God. And then I want us to see this promise before we continue today and move on. In Ephesians 6, 13, it says, and when the battle is, and tell me what this word is, the battle is over. over. Is the battle going to end? Yes. When the battle is over, you will be, say it with me, standing firm. It doesn't say you're going to be standing sideways. It doesn't say you're going to be laying on the ground gasping for breath. It says that you will be standing firm. We have the promise. The battle will end and we will be standing firm. But we've got to know some other things before we get there. So today, we're going to sink some of that truth of the knowledge of God's word into our hearts and minds. So we're going to go to verse 14 through 17 of Ephesians chapter 6. I forgot to say this at the beginning, and I want to say it real quick. How many of you in here use the YouVersion Bible app? If you've got your phones, if you've got them, yeah, let me hear you. Woo! Yeah, yes, I love you guys. Awesome. I know y'all are probably sick of hearing me talk about this, but I don't care. Um, if you are not using the YouVersion Bible app, I want to encourage you so greatly, please download that on your phone. Because right now on YouVersion, there's, we, this series and this sermon right now going on is a live event. And you can follow along with every verse, with the big idea, with the major points of this sermon right on your phone as we're going through. Because I've had several people say, oh, I wish I could remember what you said about this, or I could, wish I could remember that verse. Get on version. It is a great tool, okay? All right, love you guys. We're going on. Okay, here we go. So Ephesians chapter 6, here we go. Stand your ground putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness for shoes put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil, put on the salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. What we see happening here is that we have been issued our uniform and our weapons. How many of you in here today are active duty or retired military? Let me hear you. 
Yeah, who? There we go. Can we just thank our, our military that are here today? Thank you guys and ladies so much for your service to us. I mean, I, I just can't even express to you my gratefulness for what you do, how you train, your time away from your families, all that you invest. Thank you so very much. So any good soldier, active now or uh, previously active, can tell you when, you when you get into the service, there's some things you're going to be issued and, and one of those is your uniform, and the other is, is your weapons, are your weapons. So let's look at the pieces of the uniform that are mentioned here in these verses in 14 through 17. So the first one is the belt of truth. The second piece is the body armor. And the third piece of our uniform is the shoes. So our belt, our body armor, and our shoes. And then we have our weapons. So the first weapon that we see mentioned is the shield of faith. The second one, the helmet of salvation. And the third is, I did this first service, shing, sword of spirit, right? Y'all are going to be doing this all week, trust me. It's going to get better. So as we look at these pieces, we have our uniform, which we put on. And then we have our weapons, which we pick up. So I want you to remember that. There are three pieces that we put on and three pieces that we pick up. Let's say it together. Three pieces that we put on. And three pieces that we pick. Yes, y'all are rocking it. Very good. Okay, so we're going to just go through these today. Now, I didn't bring a lot of props we don't, because we're digging. Today we're digging, all right? So, so put on your learning caps because here we go. So the first thing that we are going to put on is the belt of truth. Now, I was going to bring one of these in, but I just didn't get around to it. But the belt of truth, kind of think of it like a, a girdle, Okay. I'm not sure any of you wear girdles today. Spanks, maybe, something like that, right? Okay. Or if you lift weights, like a weight belt, okay? So the, the belt of truth was a wide belt made of leather that a soldier would wrap around the middle of the body to support their core and support their back so that as they are engaging in the movements of the battle, that their midsection, the core and back, is very supported, Secondly, this belt also served to help hold the other pieces of the uniform in place. So as we think about the belt of truth, there are two functions. The first one is that it supports, and the second one is that it secures. I'm going to say that one more time. When we think about the belt of truth going around us, the first thing it does is support, and the second one is Secure. Very good. So when the battle is raging and we are in the middle of it, if we want to feel supported and secured, we must know the truth of God. It must be wrapped around us. We must wear it and it must surround the very core of who we are. The truth of God's word has shown us of his great love for us, of his salvation that he offers us through Jesus Christ, the forgiveness of our sin, and our great power to live for Jesus. These are all truths. Anything apart from this is a lie. And so our great enemy would have us believe that we are lost and that we are without hope and that we are not enough. But when we wrap ourselves in the belt of truth, God's truth, then we are free free from sin and death and from the lie of not being enough. Remember John 8, 32. Let's read it together this morning. You will know the truth. It may not be up there yet. 
There it is, sorry. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. That's right. And so when we have that belt around us, it gives us the freedom to move supported and secure in God. Make sense? Awesome. Okay, we're going to keep on going. So we've got our belt of truth around us. I want to add this too. The belt of truth is also our personal commitment to live a life of integrity. There is a large magnifying glass on us from our culture that loves to just point out what we do wrong as believers in Christ. And sometimes we give them a lot to work with. Sometimes we don't live a life of truthfulness, a life of integrity, a life that honors God because we're so busy picking something or someone else apart. Don't go there. Let's not give them anything to work with. Live a life of integrity. Live a life of truth, a life of principle that honors God. Okay, here we go. Body armor. Y'all like that one? practice that in the mirror there. Okay. So second is the body armor. Okay. Now, just as this suggests, the body armor was the piece of armor that covered the upper part of the body, usually made of metal. And it would cover um, through the shoulders, over the chest, down over the abdomen. And the, the function of this piece of armor is to protect the vital organs of the heart and the lungs. Because you know very well that if you get hit in the heart or in the lungs, You're going to go down pretty fast. So when we think about the body armor, basically what we're looking at here, this is the gift of our relationship of Jesus. This is when we are in relationship with him and he becomes the covering of our lives. He becomes our protection. His rightness, his goodness, his faithfulness over us. Now, if you've never thought of it that way, just take a moment and let that sink in. That when we are in relationship with Jesus Christ, we are covered by him. Our heart is covered. Our internal organs, the very core of who we are, is covered by the rightness of our great God. He is our body armor. Next, we're going to go on to the shoes. Now, these aren't any ordinary shoes. These are the shoes of peace. Now, let me see your hands, ladies. Have any of you in here ever bought shoes not based on comfort? Would there be some of those in here? Yeah, because, you know, we got to look good, right? I mean, I may be in pain 30 minutes in. I may be walking like this through whatever event I've gone to, but, ooh, I look good. They look good, right? Yeah. Okay, these are not those shoes. Okay, good. (laughs) These are Crocs, right? These are your flip-flops. These are your comfy shoes. Now, these shoes are super important because not only do they have the practical purpose of, of covering our feet and keeping our feet safe, which shoes do, but shoes of peace are important because of the message that they bring with them. Remember that when we are in Christ, we have an important message to tell. We bring a message of peace with us wherever we go. These shoes follow where the Lord leads us. And as they move forward from place to place, they bring the good news of Jesus and what he has done in our lives. No doubt you found yourself in a place sometime in the course of your life wondering, how did I wind up here? How did I meet these people? How... 
How, what is going on? And I can tell you that when you find yourself in a situation like that, when you're not, if this is not a case where you're chasing down a lie, what's happening is that God is going to take you to the places he wants you to go. And as he does, you are a very important vessel for him as you wear the shoes of peace because you bring news of him when you come. And when you walk into a place that he has led you, including the battle, you have the mighty strength of the Lord and the truth of his word and the peace that he gives. These shoes walk into battle boldly. These shoes tell others there is a great God and he is for you. And this is my opportunity to share about the love of God with you, the shoes of peace. Now let's take a look at the weapons. We're going to go to um, verse 16. In addition to these, so let's go back and talk about what are these. We've talked about our uniform. So the per- first piece of the uniform is the, the belt. Very good. And the second piece is the body armor. That's right. So let's go back one more time. The belt, the body armor, and the Very good. Excellent. Okay, so we know what those are. That's our uniform. Okay, now let's go to the weapons. So in addition to all of these, in addition to your uniform, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil, put on salvation as your helmet, and take the sword, shing, of the spirit, which is the word of God. Okay, so we've got a shield of faith, a helmet of salvation. You're going to do it this time, aren't you? And the yeah, there you go. And the, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Okay, so let's go. Shield of faith. Now, the pieces of the uniform, we do what with them? We put them and the pieces of our weapons, we pick them up. Exactly right. So the first one we're going to pick up is the shield of faith. Now, in biblical times, the shield of faith was a, a large rectangular shield that covered the majority of the body and it was wrapped in leather. This is really important because I want to go back and take a look at um, verse 16 again. Notice that it says, hold up the shield of faith to stop the what? Fiery arrows of the devil. So this shield, this large rectangular shield wrapped in leather is wrapped in leather so that it can be submerged in water. When that shield comes up out of the water and a fiery arrow comes and hits that shield of faith, because the leather is wet, it extinguishes the fiery arrow. So our shield of faith protects us physically, but it also protects what is coming at us, the fiery arrows that come at us from our enemy, from our culture, from our lies, from the doubts. Now, I want to tell you this. I learned this. I thought it was so interesting. The fiery arrows, when they came flying, they were not meant to kill the person that they were uh, flying toward. A fiery arrow was meant to be a distraction. So if you are a soldier in battle and you're standing there with your shield of faith and all of a sudden you see something fiery flying through the sky, what are you going to do? You're going to look away. And as you're looking away, there's a possibility for what? The enemy to get closer. So as those fiery arrows are coming and you're watching or whichever way they're going, the shield is meant to extinguish them. But let's also remind ourselves what we read last week in Hebrews 12 verse 2. We must never stop looking to Jesus. 
He is the leader of our faith. He is the one who makes our faith what? Complete. He is the one who makes our faith complete. So as we hold up that shield of faith, remember, it is the shield for our lives. It is meant to protect us and to extinguish the fiery arrows. Any of you had any fiery arrows this week? Can I just hear you? Yeah. They they are flying like crazy right now, y'all. Get your shield up. Extinguish those fiery arrows. Our faith calls us to live a life that is set apart from the evil and the danger and the culture and the fiery arrows that come at us. Our faith is not meant to just be a pretty word, like something we hope for, like, well, I'm just going to have faith. I'm just, I'm just going to be faith. I'm just going to have some faith about that. No. That, that's okay, but ultimately our faith is about our strong belief in Jesus and our relationship with him, and it is our covering over us as we do battle and the fiery arrows come. Got it? Got it. Okay, next we're going to go on. So now we are going to pick up the helmet of salvation. I'm going to put it right on our noggins. Now, this is super important. Because the helmet of salvation was also made of metal and was meant to protect in army in um, battle, meant to protect our head, meant to protect our noggin. Um, a few years ago, my husband was in a terrible bicycle accident, and when he fell and his head did like this several times on the pavement, it cracked that helmet, this biking helmet that he had on. If he had not had that on, He would have been in some major trouble. He couldn't remember who he was, and he kept saying to the paramedic, give me, give me just one second. If you can just hang on one second. I know my name. I just, give me one second, right? So he needed that protection of that helmet. Um, And we are no different. When we put on the helmet of salvation, we are protecting our thoughts. We are protecting our minds because remember the agenda of our great enemy. When he shows up, he wants us to doubt. He wants us to question. He wants us to wonder. And where do those originate? They start in our mind. And so we need the protection of the helmet of salvation We need to not be tricked by Satan's deception. When we are in Christ, we can be certain that we are forgiven and that we have peace with that so that when those questions begin to come, we put on the helmet of salvation and say, I am protecting my mind. I will not go there with you. I will not believe your lies. I will not follow after that. Protect your minds. Helmet of salvation. Okay, sword of the spirit. We are going to pick up the sword of the spirit. Ready? Shing. There we go. Okay. The sword of the spirit is God's word. This is the Bible. I know y'all have heard me talk so much about the importance of God's word, and I'm just going to drill it on home today. I want, you, I want us to look together at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. And this is what it said. It's about God's word. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Notice this says that God uses scripture. If God uses scripture, we need to be in scripture. 
we are going to miss part of what God uses to prepare us and equip us if we are not in the word of God. The Bible is without error. It can be trusted. It is a tool and a guide to teach us, to comfort us, to correct us, to help us to know God more. If you believe in Jesus and if you have a relationship with him and you are not in your Bible, each day reading God's word, I just want you to know you are missing out on such an amazing part of what God has for you in your relationship with him. It is one of the most amazing things that he gives us as a gift. And please hear me, if you can find time to do everything else in your life, If you can find time for work and job and hobbies and everything else, but you cannot find time to read the word of God, then you are leaving yourself unsupported and insecure. You are too busy, you are too distracted, and you are too vulnerable to the attacks of our great enemy when you are not surrounded with the belt of the truth of God's word and yielding the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You will never find another reading material that will advance your life and your relationship more with God than his word. As we say in my Bible study, get your face in it. Get your face in it. There is nothing else that will have a greater impact on your relationship with God than yielding your sword and knowing the truth of his word. I have a good friend here at One Church. His name is Mike Byer. And uh, some of you may know Mike. He had a 21-year career in the military and retired as a first sergeant. And I asked him to share with me some of the basic tactics that are used in the military. And he shared with me the idea of a battle drill. And a battle drill is when you just run something over and over and over and over again until it just becomes second nature to you. You just, you just do it. You don't even have to think about it. And we see that here in these scriptures. If you would, can you put the Ephesians passage back up um, <clears throat> where we're talking about um, using our weapons? Um, actually, let's start with um, uh, verse 10. Sorry, I know this. I'm a little bit out of order here, so they're trying to follow me on this. But I want us to run through the battle drill, okay? And so as we go through the commands in the battle drill that we've been given in these verses, we are told to put on all the armor of God, defend ourselves, stand firm, stand your ground, put on the belt, the armor, the shoes, hold up the shield, put on the helmet, take up the sword, and pray. Those should come as second nature to us. I'm going to go through that list one more time so you can see it. The first thing we do is put on the armor. The second thing we do is defend ourselves. We stand firm. We stand our ground. Put on the belt, the armor, and the shoes. Hold up the shield. Put on the helmet. Take up the sword and pray. This is our battle drill. We should know it backward and forward. We should know the parts of the uniform and our weapons so well that if one is missing, we should feel like we are not completely ready, ready for what we are about to face. We should feel that if we lay any one of them down, that we are vulnerable to our great enemy. Mike shared this about the weapons. This is powerful, you guys. He said, our soldiers have some of the best equipment fielded by any army in history. However, none of that matters if the soldier hasn't been trained to the highest standard possible. 
The proof is seen in that the armies of other countries have some of the same equipment we do, but none of them can hold a candle to the American soldier with the same equipment. So the reality of our training is that the rifle and the other equipment are simply tools. The soldier is the weapon. I want to say to you today, when you have on your uniform and you pick up the pieces of your weaponry, you are the weapon. You are the weapon because the reality of our situation is that without a relationship with God, without the belt of truth and the body armor, without the shoes of peace, without the shield of faith, without the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, we are not enough on our own. That brings us to our big idea today. The truth is we will never be enough on our own. So we must run to the one who is our enough. We've talked about striving and numbing out and comparison. In order to replace the lies with the truth, we must run to the one who is enough. We can't strive enough. We can't do it in our own strength. We've got to stop trying to prove ourselves. We've got to stop constantly be searching for the proof that we measure up and that we're doing a good job because we can't do it on our own. We've got to get out of the cycle of working harder to be known, to be seen, and to matter. We must run to the one who is our enough. Our freedom comes from the one who we don't have to prove ourselves to because he has proven himself to us. We will never be enough. We must run to the one who is enough. When he looks at you, he sees that you are holy, that you are right and complete and forgiven, that you are chosen and accepted and dearly loved. And you are those things because he is enough and he has called you into relationship with him. There is not one of these areas that we can accomplish on our own. We must surrender to the one who is in control, our great God, all of his wisdom, strength, and power on our behalf because he is our enough. We were never meant to be enough without him. Enough is a mirage. Enough is an illusion. Only Jesus will ever be enough for all of you. So if you don't know him today, I beg of you, find me, find someone else here and and begin a relationship with him because he is your enough. We will never be enough. So we must run to the one who is. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your mighty power on our behalf. We thank you that you are our enough that you look at us and you see that we are complete and whole and dearly loved, that you sent your son Jesus for us, that through his life and what he gave us, you become our enough. We cannot do it on our own without you, but you are with us in the battle. You stand strong beside us and you bring us to victory so that we are standing firm when the battle ends because we run to you, our enough.